And what's the word? If we want to title this little time together, we'll call it that. We'll call it What's the Word? So here, probably a famous uh, passage that many of us are familiar with. Jesus is going through his temptation in the desert place, right? He has been led by the Spirit into this place. He has been fasting for 40 days, it says. And at the end of that time, the devil himself appears and begins to tempt him, right? And begins to test him. And for those, just a little bit of a pastoral, he, he had to go through that because he was last Adam. And like first Adam stood before the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and failed, last Adam had to stand before his tree of the knowledge of good and evil and succeed. That's why he went through the desert. So it wasn't God being mean. Come on, it wasn't God being mean-spirited. It was Jesus being last Adam and setting up things so that he could lead us completely into victory. Amen? Amen. But here it's famous. It says in verse 1, So Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and he was tempted by the devil. And we had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Afterwards, he was hungry. And when the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, then command these stones to become bread. But Jesus answered and says, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but he shall live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I want you to underline that phrase, and if you would be so willing this week, I want you to meditate on that verse. Jesus said, in, in the moment of his greatest temptation, in the moment when truly probably in his flesh he was at his weakest, Jesus knew what the word was. Right? He, he knew what the word said, and he says, hey, listen, now listen, you and I, we cannot live on physical things alone. Now, physical things are wonderful. Bread is amazing. Amen. I have the belly to prove it. Amen. Carbs are great. Physical things are awesome. The things of this life are wonderful. But Jesus said there is something greater than this life. There's something bigger than this life. And life comes from the word of God. And so he, our master, defeats the devil with three obscure verses from the book of Deuteronomy. Church, you got a whole Bible. Come on. Jesus picked out, how many of you even read Deuteronomy? Come on now, be honest. If, you, if, you, if you're like, how many of you like me, Deuteronomy is still some of it's stuck together where the gold leafing hasn't been separated yet. <laughs> Amen. You know, I have to, I have to admit, I, I haven't camped out much in Deuteronomy at all, but Jesus goes to Deuteronomy, pulls out three verses and just gives the devil a good spanking. You've got a whole Bible. Come on now. What's the word? Last night we were sharing and I won't go into that, but guys, listen, the word is the foundation of our life. The word is the source of spirit and life, Jesus said. He said, the words I give you, they are spirit and they are life. The word of God must be of preeminence and highly exalted within our lives and in our minds. Amen? But tonight what I want to talk about is, is get a word. What's the word? You're facing a decision. You're facing a situation. You're facing a circumstance. You're facing whatever it is you might be facing. And sometimes that's bad and sometimes that's good. You know, not all life challenges are bad, amen? 
Some of life's challenges are actually wonderful. So wherever it is, the word of God speaks to it. And the word of God is the source of life for it. And like Jesus, we can and should cultivate the habit of getting a word from God. Because he says, we won't live by any other thing. Bread will only sustain you for a few hours. But the word of God will sustain you you forever. I mean, how many of you, and I'm going to do this, and and we're just going to kind of jump right in on some practical stuff. If you're taking notes, take some good notes today. I I really am excited. I'm trying to be mindful of time because I want to get us somewhere. But how many of you know you read the Bible and you're the the words jump off the page person? Who, Who am I jump off the page people? Amen. Sometimes that are like that. I mean, I say that on purpose, that you're there. How many of you are like me? I'm, I'm a fisherman, so I use this analogy because it makes sense to me. Uh, I, I kind of get up, and I get in the Word, and I chunk my lure out there, and, and I'm waiting for it to get hung. <laughs> How many of you, you're like me, right? You, you're reading, and you're reading along, and all of a sudden, your lure gets hung, and you just kind of, and you stop dead still. There's a phrase, there's a verse, something catches you, it grabs you, and, and, and you're trying to be a good little boy or a good little girl and, and finish all your chapters. But, <laughs> but no matter how hard you try, you can't get past where you were stuck. Amen. Is, is that you? That, that's me. That's how God... Hey, listen, whatever that is for you, that's the repeated pattern of how God talks to you from the Word. So when you go to the Bible, amen... Look for your pattern. Let God cause something to pop, right? Because people say, well, how much should I read in the Word? You should read in the Word until it pops if you're a pop person. You should read in the Word until your lure gets hung. If you're like me, amen. How many of you, you're like the, you, you get on a one word and you're a word person and you, that word, and you want to go, well, what does that mean in the Greek? Or what does that mean over here? How does that, hey, if that's you, man, that's God talking to you. So read, study until you hit your quote-unquote trigger in a positive sense. And you pop and you stick and I get hung and just stay there. Why? Because it's the word that is alive that is the sword of the spirit for your life. Can I say that one more time? We all go to Ephesians chapter 6, if you will. It's a rhema word. Somebody, who said that for me? Who is my helper? Right there, Brother Kyle. It's a rhema word. That's what the word that Jesus used in Matthew 4 is the word rhema. And it literally means a word that is alive. A word that is spoken. It's different than just the word that is written. Right? Now, that's another Greek word that can be used. It's called logos. Right, and we love the written word as well, so this is not a love hate thing. Come on, we love the Logos and we love the Rhema, but you're reading the Logos, you're reading the message until the Spirit highlights a Rhema. Why? Because it's the Rhemas of God that turn into the sword of the Spirit for your situation. Because here it says, we know this, this is, the, this is the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. It says, so stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, which is able to quench the fiery darts of doubt from the wicked one. 
and take the helmet of salvation, and notice this, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God. Same word. So listen, when you are facing whatever your situation is, you're looking for that living sword of the Spirit for that moment. So again, look at your neighbor and say, what's the word? What's the word on your situation? That should be the first question that comes to mind when we're seeking wisdom, guidance, direction, instruction, whatever. The first thing that we should ask ourselves, well, what's the word on this? What has God said about this? We should take the time to get in the word until our pattern comes for that situation and we get stopped and we say, okay, there it is. And then you pull out literally um, the sword from the stone, right? You pull out that sword of the spirit for that situation and then you begin to wield that sword by acting on that word. We shared a little bit of it last night, remember, and I love what Pastor Ben says, right? That spiritual development comes from the word that is acted upon. We looked in Matthew chapter 7 last night with the church family that was here. Jesus said, I will tell you, the one who hears my words and does them, he is like the man who builds his house upon the rock. Right? So what's the rock? Not just the word. Remember what Jesus said? No, it's not even Jesus. I, I, te I tested. I've been a little mean now this morning. I kind of, I know we want to go to our standard Christian answer is Jesus. Mm -mm. It's the word acted upon. Jesus said, the one who hears my word and does them, he is the one who is building his life on the rock. The rock isn't just the word of God only. The rock isn't really Jesus. Jesus said the rock or the foundation of your life is the word you're willing to act upon. I say that for somebody that's right. The word that you will take and you will put into action in your life becomes the rock or the foundation that you stand on when the storm of life comes, Jesus said. The very next passage, he says, Here is a man who hears my words and does not do them. He is like one who builds his life upon the sand. The ones who were unwilling to act upon the word have an unsure foundation. See, the sure foundation of our life is the word that is acted upon. The word that is done. Remember, Jesus said, he had two questions. He said, be careful, or not statements, more than questions. He said, be careful what you hear. So he spoke of content. And then he said, be careful how you hear. And when you look at that story, when he says, be careful how you hear, he was talking about we must hear the word of God with the attitude of a doer. Because even though content may be king, action is queen. Come on. Y'all look at me strange this morning. Y'all understand. <laughs> Y'all know that. We all sit there. We all we have that jokingly marriage thing, right? You know, I'm the head of my house. I'm the king. And Selena goes, yeah, but I'm the neck. And I will turn the head wherever I want it to go. <laughs> Come on, are you with me? 
So we are aware of content in our life. But listen to me, church family. Be one that has an attitude of doing. Be one that has an attitude of, I will do the word of God. Amen? Amen. Now, please go to Luke chapter 1. Is this helping anybody this morning? So far, so good? Good, because it's about to get gooder. Amen. (laughs) So, when we talk about this, and for time's sake, and I'm just going to give you something. This is not in any way uh, an advertisement or nothing, but just there's so much that God has been unpacking inside of me over the past couple of months since Easter along those lines that I've been teaching our church family that I would take us all morning to unpack it. So if you've got a, a device, you can go to your podcast engine, and if you type in Life of Faith North, you will see our podcast. Please click on it and subscribe and back up to about April the 7th because there's going to be a ton of stuff I'm going to hit real fast that I unpacked with our church family over the last couple of months. And I would invite you to do that because of the benefit of the word that it will help you, not because I spoke it, but because of what it is. Does that make sense? But with that, as we were studying and looking, we've discovered that there seems categorically there are three categories of word or words or rhemas that God gives people, right? He has words of identity, words of belief, and words of action. If you're taking notes, I'll say that one more time. There are words of identity, there are words of belief, and there are words of action. Many times when we go to prayer, We all want to jump straight over to the words of action, don't we? Lord, just tell me what to do. Help me, Jesus. I need to know what to do. Right? How many of you have ever experienced this? You're needing to know what to do, and God doesn't answer that. But all of a sudden, you're fishing in the word looking for what to do, and you get hung up on an identity word. Have you ever noticed that? Because we've also discovered it seems that's also the, the, the road map that he guides you on. Is that he will give you a word of identity first. Then he will lead you to a word of belief before he takes you to a word of action. So listen, I say that this way, so don't be discouraged if you're going to God for direction and he takes you back to identity. You just need to know he's starting the conversation where it needs to begin so he can get you to the word of action. Because if he told you what to do before you believed who you are, you would fail. So now let's look at that as we set that up. Let's look at this in the life of a young girl by the name of Mary. So we're going to go now to the Christmas story as we know it, but we're going to look at it based on what we just shared. So it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, So now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee that is called Nazareth, to a virgin who was engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, who was of the household of David. This virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And we all said, 
Very weakly, but we said it. Amen. <laughs> now notice the next one. It says uh, in verse 29, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his greeting. Now we're going to stop there for a second. He hadn't told her she's about to have a baby yet. Does that make sense? He just came in and said hello. Right, that's all. He shows up and says, Rejoice, you're highly favored. You are blessed of God. God has chosen you. You're pretty awesome. You're pretty amazing. And she was troubled. But listen, don't, don't, don't laugh at Mary too hard. Because you and I are not too dissimilar. Listen, church family, do not be shocked that when God begins to tell you who you actually are, that it troubles you. Because you may have never seen yourself as highly favored. Sounds like Mary Hatton. You may not have seen yourself as blessed. Sounds like Mary Hatton. Listen to me. The first wrestle and the greatest wrestle of faith is not over what God is asking you to do. It's will you believe in who he says that you are. See, every action that God will ask of you will be directly tied to who you actually are. I mean, it's pretty easy for us preachers to get up and to talk about we must believe in a great God. We just sang about it this morning. You are a great God. You are a great God. But God is trying to tell you, you are a great son. You are a great daughter. He is equally endeavoring to persuade you of your greatness while you understand his greatness. Come on now. Don't look at me at How many of you, you, your dads? Come on now. How many of you, because you're a dad, you got kids. How many of you think, how many of you think, I mean, that's an obvious statement, but some of you got to say the obvious, right? But how many of you think, you know, your kids are pretty awesome? Uh, every, every back of the hand. If you don't think that way, we're going to talk about a different conversation. But there's not a dad on the planet that don't go, that's my boy. That's, that's my girl. I mean, this summer, y'all going to get two of mine. They're, Savannah and Caleb are coming. They're awesome. Amen. Why? Because they're mine. <laughs> now, don't be afraid. All y'all men, please don't be afraid to jack my son up. Please do it. It's going to be awesome. Because he's really, really big in stature and strong, and he's roostering on me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and and, and I, I, love, I love the fact that he roosters, but uh, he needs to walk with real men. Right, and help uh, sharpen that roostering into a, in a good direction. <laughs> but he's awesome. I love my boy. He's amazing. Well, listen, if we feel that way, and Jesus said, and we being evil, know how to boast and brag on our kids, how much more? Our good, good father is not proud of each and every one of you. Come on. It is not up there. You know, God is not talking bad about you in heaven. Amen. But listen, aren't you going? He's up there going, it's my boy. That's James, that's my boy. Come on now. See, listen, 
Words of identity start the conversation. I'm going to take some time. We're going to come back around to it because there's an action, an actionable thing I want us to do to start with you for this week that's tied directly to your identity. But you have to understand that if you're asking God for wisdom and he starts an identity conversation, it's because you're not fully persuaded in who you are yet. So take the time to let your father talk you into who you are. Persuade your heart into your greatness as his son, as his daughter. Because that was she was troubled at this saying. The first thing Mary had to wrestle with before she even contemplated the idea of having a virgin birth is she had to believe she was blessed and highly favored of the Lord, selected above all women. Yeah. Amen? But it goes on. Let's keep continuing this story. Then the angel said to her, well, listen, hey, don't be afraid, Mary. Now, listen, was he talking about don't being afraid of him? Hey, I like Mary. You know, you read the Bible, angels would show up, you know, they pop through the wall doing stuff, and everybody freaks out. you ever notice that? <laughs> right, you know, they show up, and their first is don't be afraid, right? Mary didn't do that. Mary had some, I don't know, some, some spunk in her. Hey, Gabriel shows up, and, and she's not freaked out at all. So what was he talking about being afraid about? Her identity. I'll seek into some of y'all halfway home. Right? He said, listen, don't be afraid, Mary, because you found favor with God. Be the church. Don't be afraid because you found favor with God. Don't be afraid of it sounding arrogant. Don't be afraid of it sounding cocky. Don't be afraid of it sounding prideful. Amen? You got to think the last time I was with you, I was talking about my, my great uh, theologian in the animated form of Snowball and the pets, Secret Life of Pets. You remember Secret Life of Pets? It was Snowball. Snowball was the little rabbit, and he'd say things like, well, you know, it's not bragging if it's true. <laughs> Come on, it's not bragging if it's true. Hey, listen, if, you, if, if you're really righteous, it's not bragging. If you're really holy, it's not bragging. If you're really blessed, it's not bragging. Why? Because the one who is truth said that's who you are. And not only did he say that's who you are, Peter says because of the promise that you've stepped into, that promise literally deposited that DNA into you. The divine nature of righteousness, the divine nature of blessing, the divine nature of holiness, the divine nature of justice, the divine nature of power, the divine nature of miracles, the divine nature of God himself is in you because of the promises in Christ Jesus. It's literally your DNA. So it's not bragging if it's true. And that's what he was telling again to Mary. So don't be afraid of who you are. He says in verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you will bring forth the Son, and you will call his name Jesus. Which I love the name of Jesus. You know it means Jehovah saves, right? That's what translated Jesus. Every time you declare the name of Jesus, you're literally saying, God save that. God save that. See, everything that flows out of you echoes the name of Christ. Everything that flows from your nature, you are literally living and declaring God is saving. 
Again, not to get too far off of the thing. Remember, we talked about this last time we were with you, and the building is there. Where we're going to be in the new building, we get a chance to save a neighborhood. Right? Do y'all realize you're already making waves in that neighborhood just by painting? People are stopping by, and they're excited. What's going on here? Why? Because they're seeing God save. They don't have time to get sucked into all of that. He will be great, it says, verse 32, and he will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I've never slept with a man? And the angel said unto her, the Holy Spirit will be upon you. He will power you with the overshadowing of the highest. You will call this one the Holy One who is born of you. He will be the Son of God. Now here again, you see she went from a word of identity to a word of belief. See, the word of belief is tied to your impossible dream. Did you know that God has an impossible thing for each and every one of you to accomplish? Just as impossible as virgin birth. Does that make sense? See, see, I, I don't know if it was you and I, Ben, talking about this earlier, but the difference between Zechariah and Mary, right? Right? If you read the story, Zechariah hears about a miracle birth of his son, and his was a question of doubt. Mary's was not a question of doubt. Hers was a question of how this is going to work. Right? There was no doubt in her question of how this will transpire. But listen to me, church, the word of belief will come. You're going to read some things in the Bible. And they're going to seem impossible, but they're your word. Okay, how many of you, you read the Bible, and I call it this. This is a Bradology phrase, right? And the word of God rings the bell of your heart. Now, what I mean by that is you read the Bible, and you read about something, and you get really stinking excited. And you're like, oh, yeah. You're like an MMA hype person. Oh, yeah, we're going down now. Yeah, you get really excited. Or conversely, I've noticed you read something and you get really mad. And you start saying things like, if only the church did more of this. If only Pastor Ben would just get up and make this. And why don't more churches? And you get, and I've learned finally to realize it's because the bell of your heart is being rung. That's your impossible. Because it's exciting you to your possibility. And if it's making you mad, and please love me after about what I'm about to say, it just means you don't believe that that's you. And you're running from your calling. Right? Remember, because sometimes what we say is, Lord, here I am, send James. <laughs> right? Right? Because we do. We look at folks like James or Pastor Ben or other people and go, man, they're just, they're super awesome. They're just, they're just amazing. They're more amazing than I am. Right? Does it, but listen, those things, are, see, those are your impossible words. You read things and you get excited and you see. I don't know if I've shared this with you before. If I have, it's worth repeating. Do you know your Jesus story? 
Everybody here, just take a moment. Do you think, what's your favorite Jesus story? Can you think about that? Your favorite Jesus story. Who wants to volunteer? Shout it out real quick. Jesus story. Awesome. So the temple, he turns the tables, woman comes. What else? Jesus story. Favorite Jesus story. Woman at the well. Woman at the well. Jesus story. The splitting of the sea. The, the of the sea. Well, that's not, it's a Moses story, but a Jesus. I'm not, and, and not to pick on you, sister, my name is Brad. What's your name? Christine. Not pick on Miss Christine. But I really want you to think about a Jesus story from the Gospels. When he walks on water. And make fishing a lot easier, wouldn't it? Jesus story. Multiply the bread and the fish. Cast no stone. The woman again. Forgiving the sinner on the cross. Love that. He goes, the man even gave an offering. His hands were up, right? You ever thought about that? Couldn't get to his wallet. So. Then the soldiers all fall down. Listen, think about your Jesus story. Now, here's my next question. Who are you in the story? Come on now, just think about that. Who are you in the story? How do you know you're Jesus? <laughs> I love it. I'm not a woman. That's awesome. Let's go a little deeper than that, okay? It's just, uh, that's awesome. Hey, but listen, because John says, as he is, so are you in this world. Paul said that you are a member of the body. He is the head, but you're the rest of him. Does that make, listen to me, the stories of Jesus are there to help you know you're impossible. Because when you resonate with a Jesus story, it's calling to the Jesus that's in you. It's calling out your part of the living Christ. See, mine are all the ones, you know, my, my favorite Jesus story, man, this goes so fast. My favorite Jesus story is Jesus is resurrected, right? He's walking on a road to a town called Emmaus, and he's just messing with people, <laughs> right? And he's just walking with them, and he's there, and he kind of does some kind of Mr. Gadget disguise thing, and he's hidden, and he's talking, and he's picking on these guys because they're all looking depressed and sad. And he goes, well, what are you so sad about? Well, didn't you know? And well, what's happening? He goes, you live under a rock. He goes, well, tell me. And it says, and then he starts at the beginning, and he walks them through the entire scripture and shows them on this journey why the Christ must have suffered and have died. And it says, and then just Jesus being Jesus because he's just, he's just ornery, right? He's walking and he pretends like he's going to keep going and they're going to go that way. And they beg and implore and plead, no, come with us. And he sits down and he repeats the bread. He blesses the food and they see him and then he disappears. I love that. I just I love that. that I, I'm going to do that. Right, right, and he disappears. But it was their response when they said, "Did not our heart burn within us when he opened the scriptures?" Why? Because that's me, and that's my Lord. Help me to to say the word and communicate the word that causes people's heart to burn on the inside of them. 
and hunger and fuel them. Why? Because that's me. And that's you. Your story will tell you who you are. Is this, are y'all with me? Because your Jesus story is tied to your impossible. Your Jesus story is tied to the calling that he is walking you out. And saying, come on, be me here again this way. Be me here again. Amen. All of you who said, be me again on the water. Be me again with the woman at the well. Be me again, right, with Barabbas. Be me again. Be me again. Why? Because you are him. And it's all tied to how we carry the Christ. See, that's the point. Your, your believing word is tied to Mary's. It's how you carry Christ. How he was conceived in you. How he will be born through you. Because you got to think about Mary. Remember, her impossible moment just didn't come after she gave birth. Jesus, or Mary carried Jesus. She conceived him. She carried him. She birthed him. She raised him. She trained him. She walked with him. She served him. And later she followed him. So her impossible dwelled with her her whole life. It never went away. Your impossible will keep showing up. It'll keep, you'll keep confronting yourself and your impossible will keep being there. Does that, is this helping anybody this morning? And then finally, then there's words of actions, right? If we jump down to verse, well, ask me back up. There's one I got to get to. Verse 36, and it says, So now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, also has conceived a son in her old age and now is in the sixth month for her who was called barren. And this was when we were teaching on this. I call this, don't be surprised that once you discover your impossible, you discover your impossible buddy. My turn. You see this? Mary discovers her impossible, and, and Gabriel isn't changing subjects. He's introducing her to the one who will walk with her in this. He's introducing her to the one who's just a little bit ahead of the same miracle. Who's just a little bit ahead in the same process. And he's saying, hey, listen, you need to go hang out and spend some time with Elizabeth because you guys are carrying the same impossible. I'll leave that there because I want to get to one place in the next 10 minutes. For with God, it says, nothing will be impossible. And I love that word, nothing, there in your Bible. It's literally two words. And with God, no rhema will be impossible. So again, look at your neighbor and go, what's the word? Because re remember, when, when you see that rhema word, when that comes alive to you, when the word of God comes alive to you, it was like what? And that word will never be impossible for you. The word that is alive, the word that is spoken, the word that is communicated, it will never be impossible for you. Amen? And then finally, this is the word of action. So Mary said, behold, your maidservant, let it be according to your word. Let it be done to me according to that word. Do you see this? Has it been okay? He started her with a word of identity. He moved her to a word of believing. Then he took her to a word of action. She responded to that action and said, Lord, this word, it will be done to me. 
All right, get ready. I want to give you something, and I'm going to open up something and share it. I'm going to take 10 minutes and get to this. Because listen, you remember the story, Jesus, again, he comes through the wilderness, he defeats the devil with three verses from Deuteronomy. He comes out of the wilderness, and he shows up at the synagogue that next day, right? And it says that from that place of power, he enters in, and they hand him the book of Isaiah. He opens it up to what we know is the 61st chapter, and then he begins to read his rhema. He begins to read. Let's see, where is that? Is that in John chapter 4? Am I doing okay? Yeah. All right, good. Is that John chapter 4? No, that's the lady at the well. Where is that, Lord? All right, somebody asked Pastor Google where that is. The Lord has anointed me. Is it Luke? We were. Back over in Luke, it was Luke 4. Thank you, Jesus. He goes on, yeah, there it is, deeper in that chapter. So it says, so Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up in verse 16. And as was his custom or his habit, I love that. You know, Jesus had habits. He had habits of the word, right? It was as his custom or his habit that he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read and it was handed to him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he had found the place where it is written, and the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Now, y'all should be shouting by about now. Amen. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closes the book, hands it to the attendant, sits down. The eyes of everyone is upon him. And then he says what you and I can also say today this scripture is now fulfilled in your hearing. Why is it important to know what the word is? Because you get a chance like Jesus to live the word out in this life. So that you with your life and your voice can point people to the Bible and then say you've seen that lived out today before you. Church family, here's what the action point that, that, that's been burning in me since late last night. Do you know where you are in the Bible? Have you found yourself in Scripture like Jesus did? Who's done that? Who can sit there? You can take me to a chapter and a verse. If you can, hold your hand up high. Don't be, don't be shy. Good. Some of you have. How many of you are like, what kind of sorcery is this? Right, you're like, how many of like going, I've never even heard of that before. Anybody, you don't know where you are in the Bible yet. Well, that's, all right, hey, listen, listen, this is, no, this is not embarrassment at all. This is just where we are. Most people don't know you can find yourself in the Bible. Listen, like Jesus, you are in the pages of Scripture. Like we've already said, what are the passages that ring the bell of your heart? What are the passages, passages that inspire or irritate you? What are your Jesus stories? Be, when you're going to Scripture, we are going to learn, and yes, we should, about who he is. But we're also there learning about who we are. Paul to the Colossians, he says this. He says, if you see Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God. 
right? So none, uh, how many of you, it's pretty easy across, no matter what denomination you come from, for me to say, hey, if you want to know what God looks like, you just look at Jesus. But if you want to know what you look like, you just look at Jesus. I say that because you can find yourself in Scripture. Again, I'll, I'll share it. I've, I've been hesitant to share this, but and I'll share it. Y'all know if I talk about me, I'm not trying to be proud, right? Okay, good, because I just can't talk about you yet. Right? I want to get to know you well enough where I can talk about you too, right, in a good way. But until I can do that, I can only talk about me. If you remember the last time I was here with you guys, I believe, I talked about how that the Lord gave me a dream a number of years ago, right? And in that dream, he kept saying, you're Ezra, you're Ezra, you're Ezra, you're Ezra, you're Ezra. And he just kept speaking to me, and I woke up. And I began to look at Ezra. Go to Ezra chapter 7. And I say this is only an example. So please hear that. And, and, and I say this with the whole of my heart to inspire you that you're here in the Bible like I am. So go to Ezra chapter 7. And this is, I'm going to read a verse. And I want you, those that have known me and, and the way you've known me, I'm going to read this verse. And I want to ask you a question. Do you think this sounds like me? It says in chapter 7, verse 10, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law or the word of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach it, the statutes and the ordinances of Israel. Those that know me, does that sound like me at all? And y'all, please say yes or no, and Brad, I mean somebody, I mean you can say no and that's fine too. <laughs> Because I could be wrong. But listen, that verse is filled in your hearing today. Because that is me. As I studied and I look, if you read through the rest of the chapter, see if this sounds. So Ezra was skilled in the scripture. Ezra's life motto was, Lord, your will, your way. Ezra had an ability to gather the people that was needed. Ezra had an ability to assign and empower leaders. And at the very end, Ezra restored proper marriage and marital relationship to Israel. No, listen, I say that again. That's How many of you that know me, even little, that, that sounds like me? Listen, I have found myself. And you can find yourself just as easily. If you'd want to just take some time, if you got a pen and a paper out, let's take the next three minutes. I got three minutes to 1030. And I'm going to pray over you. And what I want you to do is if, if you have not found yourself in Scripture yet, today I want you to begin that journey. Right? I want you to get ready to write down some stuff. I don't know if anybody play this morning. Is anybody able to play? Can you play for me? Thank you so much. And I want you to take a few minutes in the time that we have left, and I want you to begin to write down the verses that Holy Spirit brings to mind. Maybe in what we've already talked about this morning, you've bumped into some of them. What's your Jesus story, right? What are the scriptures that ring the bell of your heart? They inspire you or they irritate you? What are the things? Just begin to make a list. And Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just pray over my family today. And Holy Spirit, I ask you that you are the one who leads us and guides us into all truth. You are the one that takes us 
into the pages of Scripture, and you are the revealer of Christ. So, Holy Spirit, I ask you today for my family, reveal who they are as Christ. Show them who they are in Scripture so that with confidence in the weeks and the months ahead, they can find themselves in the eternal Word of God and with confidence be able to say, there I am. And now just in this time, we're just going to take a few minutes, and I just want you to begin to write those verses down, those that come to mind. Hallelujah.